Welcome to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass with Brett Henderson, founder of Strategic Wealth Endeavor. We've created a community of veteran entrepreneurs just like you who are ready to help you succeed. Our podcast provides expert advice and resources so you can overcome any obstacle in your way. With the help of Brett and veteran guest experts, you can build a battle-ready business mindset to take your company to the next level. Thank you for listening to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. Now, on to the show. Leadership, resiliency, and operational medicine. Hey, it's not every day you find those words on the same resume, but Brett's guest has the creds. Blair Dell leads the Public Safety and Training Division of BMK Ventures. Brett, this guy has more than two decades of experience in special operations medicine, and he uses that background to develop and deliver courses to first responders, the public and military units. But Brett, he also has his own consulting company. Epic. That's, That's you, it. Blair. Epic. Epic. That's it. Epic. Said. Brevity, sometimes all you need, right? So I know it's a podcast, we got to talk more, but I am humbled and honored to have you here, Blair. Your background is definitely more than intimidating for uh, a non-combat veteran such as myself. So even Patrice reads your stuff and I've gone through it and just knowing where you came from, it's it's an honor and I'm humbled to have you here, brother. So thanks for being here. I certainly appreciate you having me on and uh, definitely the honors, all, uh, pleasure's all mine. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to chat with you all and uh, get to see what you guys are doing here as well. Yeah, well, we appreciate you being here. So for our audience, just as a quick reminder, refresher, it's mostly veteran entrepreneurs like us who are trying to get ahead or are have already made it, so to speak, in their second career and are looking to give back in some way, form or fashion. So today's really just about sharing mindset and, and mentorship. So I know we could spend a whole podcast just going through your background, what you did on when you were in. Um <laughs> Just give us the abridged. We know you're a badass, which is fine, which is epic. And again, I'm humbled to have you here. Just give us the background, kind of what you did. And and yeah, let's start with that. Just get what you did where you're in and then your mindset as you were starting to get out. All right. And I, I thank you for that opportunity to bridge over the last, uh, what I like to think of as my last chapter. <laughs> uh, I get asked to talk about you know that part of my life and i get it it's interesting but all it did was set me up for what i consider this next chapter in my life where i have the opportunity uh to work with folks uh, and honestly if uh, the only thing i could say about the last chapter was it was pretty wild had some great times but most importantly i was on i was standing on the shoulders of giants and i had the absolute honor of working among amazing people who I strived every day to try to keep up with. Um, if I were to have like that one achievement or that one time you think, uh, you know, wow, was when I realized after my second or third combat tour, where I feel like I finally uh, earned my seat at the table. And the amazing thing that happened in, along with that same realization was probably one of the better points um, that helps me in this chapter of my life is great. You made it kid. Earn it tomorrow too. Right. Uh, it never stopped. And your team's Moment gone now. Right. And now your team's gone. Yeah. So yeah. Talk about yeah. that. I think that's that's the huge thing for most of us. You have that team and that that team's rock and roll and they bring you up. Right. You step up because you're not going to let them down. So your performance goes up as a team does well. It's a perfect definition of synergy. Yeah, right. That's exactly the, the word in my mind when you're saying that that synergistic effect. Um, the key for me was 
linking the best parts of that part of my life uh, into this side. When I made that jump, uh, when I took the walk out to the pasture and thought, you know, try to find out if the grass is really greener when you get out. It is. Uh, It's just you do have to accept that you're not going to have that dedicated team with you every day. One of the things I got thinking about in retrospect, do we really keep the team even when we're in the military all the time? A team's constantly rotating every two year, two, three years. Uh, you're never in the same team and we're, we just accept that change as a matter of daily activity. We don't even see it. It's the absence of a team at all uh, that kind of gets our attention when we first get out. And more importantly, can I adapt myself appropriately to the new teams that I'll be working with, whether they be temporary at different companies or working with a client? Um, that's still a team, right? Still all contributing to a mission. It's redefining what's mission to me. And that was probably the first thing that really helped me when I stepped out. Uh, There was a lot of people trying to drag me kicking, screaming into uh, special operations, medicine support, uh, whether it be logistics, sales, what have you. They wanted to basically use up my Rolodex and uh, (laughs) and burn me out in three to five years and see uh, and get what they could out of me. And that's that's a common thing in the industry. Of course. A lot of guys get burned out by it or... The handful of contractor companies want to uh, see what what mileage you get left in the tank so they can burn you out too with, and they bait you out with big money. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I had listened to a lot of uh, much smarter people than myself prior to that. And, uh, and I resisted the urge to chase that money and go those routes. I took a hard look around. Um, where were the threats, non-military speaking? What were the things I wanted to be a part of? And in 2016, when I retired, the... Uh, most that was one of the first years that more law enforcement officers were killed in the line of duty than troops overseas. Wow. That's a statistic that got my attention. (laughs) And I was like, that's something that I can sink my teeth into and support. Uh, Don't mind all the are completely irrelevant of all the politics and everything else. The fact that many officers were dying in the line of duty. I wanted to do what I could with that. And that was the springboard that took me to it. it. It got me, uh, reinventing myself with a similar mindset in operational medicine, but also learning more about logistics and everything else. Uh, Taking the skills that I learned as a master training specialist in the Navy and adapting them over to the civilian market space. Uh, It got me um, kicking the can down the road enough to know that or recognize I didn't know what I didn't know. So that first whole year was probably just defining what, what is it I want to do. So with that though, I think it was a, huge piece. I just had my moment of clarity after 20 years. Actually, I had a moment. I actually two moments, 2018, when we lost my friend, uh, Colonel Collier, Adam Collier to suicide. That was my moment to re-engage the veteran community after kind of stepping out. Because when I got out, you you didn't have Facebook or anything. You just had a black book and phone numbers and and cell phones were just starting to be prevalent. So I, you kind of go out, see you later. You did your, I only did four years and you're blackballed when you get out after four years anyway, because you're not a, a lifer. Like, oh, you only did four. Yeah. When, mm. when I was getting out, like once, once I made the decision to get out, everyone in the unit just kind of turned their back and like, okay, well, it is where it is. So you kind of roll out. And if you're not a lifer, when I was in, it was just, especially combat arms, like, oh, you're, you're getting out, you know, you're a quitter. So that, that is what it is. So I kind of went out. But it wasn't until I lost my friend, I had that first moment of clarity that I wanted to get back involved and, and re-engage. And there are good people out there and, and, and people have similar backgrounds. But then several months ago, when I looked at my career that I've been building for 20 years, I had the moment of clarity. 
that I just really want to work with other guys and gals like me in the veteran entrepreneur space, just like you. And so I, I've had two moments of clarity, kind of the catalyst to get me where I'm going. Sounds like you had that one statistic that resonated with you when you heard the number of police officers were killed, but more police officers were killed in 2016 than we lost so soldiers and Marines and, and airmen in Afghanistan in 2016. So was that your moment or was that just part of a series of thoughts or do you mind? Yeah, I can't say that I had that? a pivotal thing. Sure. Um, that was definitely, uh, I'm not a detective, but I think that's definitely a clue that took me on the right <laughs> path. But uh, I want to revisit the, the what you mentioned there about the, you know, four years and out, I, I think that's something that at least I personally believe is changing a little bit now. Um, at least when the crews that I worked with over there, I can think of half a dozen off the top of my head guys that got out at four to six years uh, that are I'm working with now regularly, uh, whether they be heavy equipment operators, they, they went in and did their thing after they got out and I found ways to link with them. And I think that's one of the beauties of the veterinarian market space is that um, if I've got a project and I know a guy that, you know, I knew in Afghanistan or something like that has a business that supports that I'm going to him, even if the margins are less, mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I've really respected about how unlike any other unique uh, identifier in business, vets generally take care of each other pretty damn well. Um, regardless of how many years they did or whether they were combat or not, it's that uh, uh, that shared brother sisterhood of uh, having done something that it, day to day I'm reminded is so unique in the country now. At yep. some point, we all raised our hand and took an oath to be responsible for other human beings. And that goes for law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, these are unique human beings that are willing to do that because it's not common anymore. People won't even take responsibility for their own damn self, much less <laughs> others. <laughs> it's so true. Now, even what you just said is it's so true. I, my own head trash, I'll just share my own head trash was that because I wasn't a combat vet and I got out in 02, it's September of 02 and the second ground war was March of 03 because I missed everything and it was timing i just felt i i didn't deserve to be around other veterans because i i didn't earn it it just that's my head trash i yeah. it's my head trash i'm just sharing my head trash you're not, that's, you're not that's, the first person who's told me something similar to that and uh i'm it's complete bs man uh, I, again one, head trash one, team, one fight yeah but you acknowledge it so i'm acknowledging it yeah, yeah. right but that was the mindset then I'll, I'll share now the last several weeks Professionally, I've been reaching out to nothing but veterans on LinkedIn and having 15-minute phone calls just to have an introduction. And it's absolutely amazing the instant connection I'm having. I have not had one bad phone call in probably 20 or 30 in the last few weeks. Just 15 minutes. And just, hey, this is a gut check. This isn't a sales call. I'm seeing, seeing what you're doing, seeing if you want to be involved in the community, see if you are involved in the community, see if we, we like, trust, respect each other. That's what I'm, I'm doing with this call with you. At the end of the call in 15 minutes, I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you feel it? And everything's like, damn, yeah, I feel this is great. It's a great connection. So for me, like what you're talking about, like it feels so good to reconnect and do business with and have conversation with other veterans. Cause we do have that common background. Like have you and I met before today? No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, we've known each other almost 20 years. It's just that instantaneous feeling, you know, um, it, it's just great. So going back to that mindset then for the veteran entrepreneur, 
who maybe has been out a little bit, you, you alluded to, you didn't have one clarity moment, but maybe several experiences or several thoughts you pieced together that have brought you where you are today. Do you mind hitting, what would you say, the top two or three Certainly. kind of thoughts or experiences that are bringing you where you are today? And then we'll kind of d- dive into what you're doing today. Certainly. Yeah, honestly, one of the things, and I kind of got thinking about this when you were... Um, Rambling. No, <laughs> your, your path kind of reminded me a little bit of where one of the key things was is I didn't feel it was appropriate to re-engage with the, my, my old teammates, veteran community or anything else until I had gone out in the market space and made it until I had something to offer back to the table. Um, I did not want to be one of the guys that goes out, becomes a salesman and tries to pimp generators and, you know, used cars to my buddies. That's just not what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that if I came back to the table in no uniform or this uniform, you know, <laughs> plain clothes, I had something to offer them. And that, that was just me still feeling like I had to earn my seat at the table. Yeah. Uh, ironically, after I, I did re-engage back with them after a few years out, kind of beating the bushes on my own, they all smacked me upside the head and like, Blair, where have you been, bro? It's awesome. <laughs> should have just stopped by. And I, I wish I would have uh, connected that dot sooner. That was stupid of me. I should have at least maintained better comms in the early years uh, after I got out. I've been out six years. So almost, yeah, six years now. Um, 2016 should have been a little bit, should have been a little bit better about maintaining those comms throughout. Um, second one, and this would, if I had an epiphany, it was when I identified the motto for my personal company, 813 Consulting. Um, and it's become a life motto as well. In fact, I even burned it into my forearm and that's uh no ego all in. Tell uh, me about that. What's that mean? It's a general philosophy. We typically start every one of our classes we teach uh, for operational medicine or, um, you know, whatever the classes we're teaching. That's a promise I make to my students. I am checking my ego at the door and I'm all in for your training for the next eight hours. Um, But I take it even further in when you have that moment and everything's blown around your head, you have your multitasking too many things, you have too many screens going and you just feel a bit of a whirlwind or start questioning, can I make it? Whatever it is, where that self-doubt, all the, the little monsters come at the corners. I stop, take a few breaths, be mindful of the experience, and then say, no ego all in. Am I maintaining that? Have I allowed ego to drive me? No. Am I doing it because of love of the game or for all in for my mission? Yes. Okay, then I'm good. But more often than not, when things start going silly, I start recognizing that ego is has creeped in from the left or creeped into the right. And I didn't even see it there until I took that breath and took a look around and started assigning the whys to what I'm doing. And it's really easy. As soon as I go back and check that uh, ego and be all in, those things fall off the table and everything kind of lines right back. I'm trying to process what you're sharing. And I'm trying to obviously put myself in the same scenario to think and have empathy where you are, what you're doing, where that ego would come in. What is the difference in your mind between ego and confidence? Great question. Uh, Ego is something that I started picking up a lot more after my first combat deployment to Iraq. And I didn't even realize what it was doing up up until that point. I just finished a two year pipeline to be selected for special operations medic. Uh, Had myself kicked in the face and down (laughs) in the dirt and finally got my up and I got my, NEC, I had my title, and then immediately emergency deployed to Iraq. 
So I'm walking out of that film like little Billy Badass. I'm in my 20s thinking, yeah, I'm a god dang barrel chest American freedom fighter, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and quickly realized just how uh, damaging and um, uh, challenging that is to a functional lifestyle outside of a combat zone. Because you're right. You have to have that confidence. You have to have that um, applied arrogance almost uh, to be effective in combat because otherwise you're going to question and doubt yourself. So ego is not in inherently of itself bad. If you can back it up, that's the, probably the difference between that and arrogance or confidence and arrogance. But I have found more often than not, it quickly uh, allows us to have a inflated sense of self-worth. And if there's anything I've learned over the years, basically fighting in one way or another, since I was six years old is there's always a bigger fish. There's always somebody better than you. Right. <laughs> Very rarely have you thought up something someone else didn't think uh, and checking myself to make sure that I'm doing things because I want to do it for others or my family, um, that I'm not doing it or I'm not responding to a situation like, do you know who the hell I am? Right. Because nothing good comes from that. Right. So to be a good leader, you also be an amazing follower. I would say, I yeah, I've heard that before. I subscribe more to the best leaders are the uh, dedicated servant. Perfect. You, when I, as I'm sitting here listening to you, uh, and hopefully we turn this into a video at some point, I see the jacket behind you with the the recon paddle and the badges on it. And I, when I was with headquarters, Colonel Lake, he, do you know Colonel Lake? Uh, Richard well, Lake? We're not drinking buddies, but I know. Oh, okay. Right. Right. So he was I think, the HNSCO and we did battle Griffin in 02. We went over to Scandinavia and we pulled all the equipment out of the caves in Norway and whatnot and played Cowboys and Indians in the wintertime over there. And so Colonel Lake, he was a full bird, mm -hmm. and he was supporting, I can't remember, I think it was either uh, second, either either second Marine Regiment or, or sixth Marine Regiment, but another full bird, but he was supporting. And here's Colonel Lake, who's a badass, right? And he he did his role. There wasn't, you could, there wasn't competing egos. It wasn't two full birds, like which one's, it was it was the other colonel was in charge of his element and it, I, I was so humbled to watch colonel lake just do his job to support as best he could mm -hmm. and there was no i'm a colonel too there was none of that it was just he was amazing and that was 20 plus years ago and i still remember watching him and, and just just sitting back and being in awe of how this gentleman with so much experience did his role perfectly. He just supported and made sure he set up that infantry uh, regimental commander as best he could to succeed in his mission. So it was humbling to see. So I, as you're chatting and, and throwing ideas and thoughts out there, it's triggering memories and thoughts of my myself. So applying that to what you're doing today, and I guess it's okay. Why don't you take a minute and really talk about your company, what your company does, because we haven't shared that. And I think that'll help put some pieces together yeah. on kind of what you're doing now. So I guess I should ask that sooner, but so be it. This no a conversation. Worries. We're not scripted. No, so just chatting anyways. Yeah. Um, so probably the hardest part of what I do is explaining what I do <laughs> and, uh, because it kind of all happened organically. Uh, one of the best job, uh, pitches I got from somebody it was one of the very first companies that brought me on early on. And they said, Blair, we, we want you to come work for us. And I'm like, okay, I like your company. I like what you make. Uh, what do you want me to do? We don't know what we want you to do, but we want you to do it. <laughs> and uh, that really kind of was almost every company I've worked with has started that way. So it became really apparent to me early on. Uh, and I'm finding more and more vets are 
especially if they came from the special operations world or they were in a conventional unit in the operations side. We get baited in. Uh, if you don't chase the big money and you, you want to look for something to grow, a lot of people will come to you with some part-time consulting type gigs. Uh, we don't know what we want you to do. We want you to do it and develop it small and grow it, which is a good business model from their perspective. They see somebody with a capability um, and in you know analytics and can get a good fit. They bring you in a little bit, see if you can build it. You know, put your you know put your money where your mouth is. Right. What I recommend to all of them that I failed early on is very. if that looks like what you're going to do and you're going to come in and basically a multi-stream, multi-revenue stream approach, set up an LLC right away. Uh, and that's what I failed to do until about my second and a half, third year uh, when the IRS bent me over. Ah, <laughs> and, um, that's a good one. We could we tell, talk more about that. Talk yeah, about that fit. Because- talk about failure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, most people that go to my classes think I was the worst medic ever because I start most of my C stories. If I tell any at all with, so I screwed this up really bad (laughs) and I want you to learn from it. So yeah, we definitely learn more from our failures. Um, I was just taking the 1099s or, you know, part-time W2s as they came and super excited. I got, you know, I got 12,000 a year coming from here, 20 from here, 30 from here, 15, you know I mean? And, Add it all up on a yellow sticky. That looks awesome. <sighs> Until the IRS starts sharpening their knives. Um, fortunately, uh, I got a good CPA right about year two. Uh, dialed me in, and we stood up eight one three consulting. Okay, eight one three was a head nod to one of the best teams I was with in Marsoc. Uh, trying to honor some of the guys that um, we lost there, and that was part of the no ego all in or me my my journey to that motto. I wanted to make sure that in the consulting world, which is arguably one of the dirtiest world uh, businesses out there, because all you're doing is selling what's in your head. Um, I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be have some integrity with that. No more integrity could I ask for than the men that I served with there. So by putting 813 on there, which was our uh, unit moniker, um, every time I looked at the little sign by my desk, it was like, okay, I've got to uphold that today. Okay. So, so when I, I, go when ahead, I did please. that, I, I brought all that together, uh, started working for multiple different companies. And now if I were to put it in a can of what I do today is I prepare people, businesses, and organizations for their worst day ever. Uh, worst day? Worst day. Yeah. Most people typically, their minds jump right to active shooter, earthquake, disaster. Uh, what I try to do through, depending on what level of um, courses they do is show there's a lot of things that can make for a bad day down on the spectrum from there. Uh, typically, we start things out with what I call med threat analysis, uh, something that comes from operational medicine, where we, just like you do a security in, uh, analysis, we I can come in on the medical side and identify what are threats you're maybe not even thinking about. Do you have travelers in your organization? What are the different uh, environmental threats in your area? I do. I, I Let me come in and do the unsexy assessment to just see what you're maybe not thinking about. And then I'll custom build a course to support it. And during the uh, development of the course and actually execution of the medical course to make every person there a potential responder, we identify what's best for them. And then we build the kits and equipment to actually outfit and prepare for a bad day. So it's custom for every scenario. I, I, I do not believe there should be a medical course on the shelf or a medical kit on the shelf. If you're going to uh, sell out there. I, 
if you're doing that, you're getting that off the shelf, just general thing. And you're not really prepared. You're just checking a box. Well, let me ask, when would a company or organization recognize an opportunity or, or the need? Right? Is it after something happens? That's like no one, no one wants happens. to buy insurance. No <laughs> one wants to buy insurance until you have a catastrophic event. Right? So it, it's kind of those things. Yeah, you know you should do it. You know you should do it. But ah, tomorrow, 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 and then boom, something happens. Damn it! Why didn't I do it? So can yeah, you talk sadly, about that? That's bit? when I get most of my calls. Is when somebody in a similar business or similar demographic has a bad day or a referral from somebody. Those are the two ways I get talked to the most. Uh, what I would argue is, and this is where I get people very interested and usually the referrals come from is, are you getting totally screwed over by insurance? And this is more on the business side, uh, because if we tie all of the training and equipment in accordance with DHS, stop the bleed and all these other, and OSHA and everything else, we could potentially bring your insurance premiums down. Okay. So the co- it's a value play. Yeah. I, I, I hate breaking uh, emergencies and degradation of quality of life to a numbers game, but sadly in business, it happens. It is. And um, I, if I can weaponize that to make sure people are better prepared. Uh, one of my favorite things I see a lot of companies do, especially after they get that first turnaround of the year where they didn't have to pay the huge premiums or they got 3% off off a million dollar rider. They turn around and at the Christmas party, they give uh, custom med kits to each of their employees. So now that's it's cool. going home as well. And that's the great thing about this type of training. It's not just for wherever you work. You can take care of your kids, your pets, whatever. I mean, I I want to make sure that everybody's squared away with that. And it's something that I believe in. I can engage really well with it. No, I think that's perfect. Going, going to that, and I appreciate you clarifying where you came from and kind of where you're going and what you're doing now. Let's talk about your very first client, your very first paying customer, what do you call them? A customer or a client once you got out? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Uh, that was uh, first people that brought me on was a little company called Z Medic at the time. They've gotten very big since then. Uh, it was They make a hemostatic dressing that uh, honestly, I'd have, we'd have much less people coming back with flags on their caskets early on in the war if we'd had it more developed then uh it's amazing product that came out of war development uh they were one of the ones like i said that brought me on saying we don't know what we want you to do but uh i want you to do it Uh, nicole was my manager at that time and she was a great mentor and still is this day gave me more than enough rope to hang myself there you go (laughs) and i i did on a couple occasions and then instead of just canning me uh, helped me to learn from it. I think if there was any one key thing, because they, I think in their mind, they wanted me there to help support and develop sales. I looked at it more as I'm here as a consultant, um, trying to identify processes and ways to get your messaging out. Not so much in a marketing way, but educate people on what, what we're right looks like today, because I just left the battlefield. Um, and then finally, my biggest learning point from that first gig was, watch my early perception, my perception looking out. Um, That was probably the beginning of that no ego all in because I walked in still thinking I was walking into a commander's update brief in Afghanistan. And when one of the uh, other members of the team is very established, starts putting stuff up on the screen and basically sounds like a targeting package for a terrorist. And I know that person who's a friend of mine. <laughs> I I honestly jumped up and I, I damn near threw down. I mean, I was still in that mindset. 
And it was great because Scott, the the national sales guy, he pulls me out to the hallway and he says, puts everybody on a break because he sees where he's going. And I think I'm about ready to get fired for my very first meeting. <laughs> right. And he, he looks at me and says, did you like Looney Tunes? Uh, sure. I told you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. Uh, Where's he going? I, 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 I'll, to my dying day, I'll always hope I'm as cool as how he managed this. He says, you remember that cartoon where the wolf and the big shaggy dog have their lunch pails and they go clock in at the tree and the sheepdog goes out and protects all the sheep and the wolf tries to get them all day. And then at the end of the day, they clock out. Night, Bob. Night, George. Have a good one. That's what we're doing here. I need you to clock in, man, and then be able to clock out. And I was like, that is so awesome because I just came from the military, which is a lifestyle. We never really clock out. Nope. And now I'm coming into this environment where I need to be able to put things in the right bubbles, which I'm good at, you know, from other things. I just need to apply it better. And that was one of the best mentoring things in his approach, that hard jerk of, do you like Looney Tunes? <laughs> no, that's good. I've never heard that. I've never heard the analogy, but it makes perfect sense. It yep. makes makes perfect sense. So you, you touched on something which resonated with me and I'm talking a lot about it. It's the fact you mentioned you had enough rope to hang yourself and you failed. And you oh, said yeah. you failed a couple times. Oh, yeah. And I saw a... Uh, not a meme actually one of those facebook ads popped up where you can get wall art and whatnot and there was a picture of ragnar lothbrook from vikings and it said i don't know how i will win but i know i will not lose <laughs> yeah. and i shared that with giselle she's like that is so you it's like I, yeah i don't know what victory looks like i just know i, I won't fail and you, you just well you could fail but again you don't quit you learn you learn you learn and yeah, so that's, talk that's about that yeah, that's that classic mindset. And I don't know who originally said it. It's probably older than we can go back. But I've told my children since as early as I can remember that we never fail. We will either win or we'll learn. And sometimes it's even better to learn. Oh, it's always better to learn. That's you learn by failing. And I, I'm thinking even just having this podcast, I think this is what episode 10 or whatever we're getting to right now. I'm learning so much more about myself by having these conversations and changing my mindset. If I'm ever interviewing someone again, my question is going to be, how many times have you failed? Yeah. Just look them right now and see what they say. Uh, how many times you, the more you count. fail, right? The more you <laughs> fail, the better you probably are. As, as long as you're learning from it and growing, you're not making the same mistake. You can maybe, maybe twice, you know, but three times too much, but you got to be you learning how much that pushes even beyond the business world. Um, especially when people look at my resume and, uh, or they see the God, the history channel or all that different stuff. And people ask me what, um, how many people do you think you saved in the 25 years you've been in medicine or 30 years you've been in medicine? I'm like, who cares? And they're like, what, what do you mean? Thinking I'm this callous asshole. I was like, I only focus on where I failed. I, the ones I couldn't bring home, the ones that um, only made it because someone kicked me out of the way and they were smarter than me and jumped in. And thank God they did. Um, that was actually one of the biggest stumbling stones I had when I was transitioning from the military. And you, you'll laugh because I, I'm sure anybody listening has done the same. will probably laugh at me. I'd just come off multiple combat deployments. I was still very much in that mindset of everything in the mission. I hadn't accepted yet that the big green machine will move on without me in one day or less and won't even notice I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a hard realization for me. I hadn't done that leap yet. So I'm sitting at Navy college trying to get all my transcripts moved over to see what, you know, what I'm qualified for type of right. thing, you know, doing that whole process. 
I'll never forget uh, Bob. He's over at um, Navy College down there in California. And he sits me down. It's right before lunch. And he just looks at me and kind of half-hazardly says, so Blair, uh, or senior chief, or whatever he called me then, um, what do you want to do? And I'll be honest, it hit me like a sledgehammer to the gut. Something he just arbitrarily said, because he, I'm sure he says it a thousand times a day. I realized at that moment, nobody had ever asked me that. And I had not really thought about it as a want. It was always that, what do I need to do to put food on the table? What do I need to do to complete the mission? What does my team need of me? There was always a need. And every decision I made, especially overseas, was like literally life and death type shit. And next thing you know, I'm everything in my life is at that level. Like I, I can't count how many times I'd go to McDonald's and the poor kid making a minimum wage across the register is having a meltdown. And I'm like, you know, if I did my job like this, people would die. <laughs> I've, I've turned into this ugly staff NCO. Um, so I'm sitting in this Navy college office, kind of having this internal meltdown myself. Right. Trying to come to grips with, wow, I can ask what I want to do. And he could see this like existential crisis happening for me. He's like, tell you what, why don't you go to lunch? Think on it. I didn't think that was a hard question, but why don't you come back after lunch and we'll try again. And I did. Oh, I, I did some soul searching and this tells, this tells you how much I was institutionalized at the time. I walked back into that office after lunch and I said, listen, I know this sounds horrible and I, I really feel horrible for asking, but is it too much to ask to have a job after the military that no one tries to kill me? I don't get blown up and I don't have to make a life and threat decision every day. That was literally the bar I had set for myself getting out initially. And he just kind of only kind of like tapped me on the shoulder. Kid, sit down. We got a ways yeah. to here. And he did. He took some time with me. I started working with Denise, who you've met as well, yeah. um, who helped me make that transition uh, in my mind where I didn't get rid of those skills, but adapted them better. So if those are things that people are also dealing with, realize you're not alone. Those are, and the really toughest part is just accept identifying, yes, I really am ramped at this level because that's what the military required of me you still need that level of focus and capability when you get out, especially if you're running your own darn business, because you have the worst boss in the world. Yep. We talk about that. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, it, it's a, it's a part of that journey of making the transition. I appreciate you sharing that. You, so many more questions pop up when you're going through that. Let me ask with what you're doing now with your experiences, I'm just going to throw it out there. PTSD. Great question. It comes up pretty regularly. Um, Denise uh, definitely set me up for success with that. Um, I subscribe. I personally, um, people ask about this with me and I'm very willing to open it. I didn't uh, pursue PTSD ratings and stuff because I don't agree with how the VA is handling it. Now, if some people are getting that and they're getting the help they want from them, I'm happy for them. I just wasn't liking what I was seeing with it uh, and the ability to if you get medicated that your ability to own firearms in this country is questionable. Those are just things people have to make those choices of a trade-off when labels start getting attached because it is a label and it's a right. label with the word disorder in it. I subscribe to general Mattis's view a little more that post-traumatic stress growth approach. Cause I talk, refuse talk to that. allow, I refuse to allow anybody, you, the government, anybody to tell me I have a disorder for doing what, was asked of me by my country 
surviving, and I would argue thriving, and having scar tissue instead of an open wound. That's uh, that idea of a post-traumatic stress growth. We're stronger because of the trauma that we have sustained. I've never, I've never heard it put like that before, but I think you're spot on. And and did Dr. K or Denise? We, we can talk. Actually, Dr. K was on here. Yeah. I think earlier last week actually. Yeah. So we've had her on twice, which is which is amazing. She's talking about mindset. So if you don't mind, just uh, I, I could talk about Dr. K, but why don't you talk about Dr. K just quick? Give her a little plug, shout out who she is, what she does. And then did she come to you with that? No, I that actually, I found, that, I, found that uh, I, I don't know. I'm asking. No, I found that through general Mattis. It was one of his speeches. Okay. Um, but my ability to accept and onboard that came from the brilliant work of uh, Dr. K. Uh, she, uh, Denise is a amazing healer, damn near magician <laughs> in my mind. Uh, and I came to her about two years. Once I recognized I was going to be on my way out, I had just been blown up too many times and couldn't put it back to the teams enough that I was on my way out. I, I took it almost two years out and I sat down and I was a um, colleague, I'd say, because yeah, I was the medical chief in the area. Yep. Um, I sat down. She thought I was going to talk to her about one of my uh, Marines. And she's like, no, nah. I'm like, no, nah, I'm here for me. <laughs> I need you to pop the hood and get me ready to uh, go out into the real world. And one of the best things she's early on did was recognizing if there's any first step in that journey, I think we all, when we're in the service, we recognize how hypervigilant we are. Right. Um, I, I immediately addressed that and said, okay, how do I get rid of this hypervigilance? You know, my ability to, or my inability to keep a back to a door or my inability to sleep through the night without waking up every time a cat punches on the freaking porch. Um, she says, well, why would you get rid of that? That's a honed survival skill you've developed over 20 plus years. Why don't we just moderate and dial it in so you can use and weaponize that for the business world? That's awesome. So that was that. I knew I was with the right person. And that's the concept of operational psychology, different uh, than typical psychiatry and other uh, services is it's about orienting you towards success, not dwelling on uh the demons inside not saying we don't address those things but it's being mindful of what is my what is going on right now and if there's i can honestly say she has saved more lives than i ever did through her her compassion and ability and empathy for uh people's condition um so i i i've been asked to speak on operational psychology around the country not that i'm a practitioner but i'm i'm a uh I definitely can testify, if you will, <laughs> in an almost biblical sense. And what I do is work with first responders around the country, trying to advocate for their agencies and their groups to make the tribal shift necessary to bring that mindset and that capability to their agencies. Because um, if you want to talk about it, the probably fastest growing rate of PTSD in this country is law enforcement. Really? They have been just vilified and thrown to the wolves due to the actions of a handful of bad actors. And they're dealing with the fallout of that through riots and burnings of cities. And they're watching their families and communities um, persecuted. Right. And they, and by families, I mean, yes, their families are being hunted down. I mean, we did never have that problem in the military. (laughs) Some Taliban guy did not follow me back across the ocean and threaten my family. But Antifa has done that. Black Lives Matter has done that to law enforcement officers. 
Uh, that's a that is another podcast. So we can we can chat about that. But I want to go back one thing and go back to Dr. K because she was on the podcast twice. And I hope she doesn't mind me asking or, or saying this. And one of the things she shared when she was with Marsock is that she didn't have anyone to go to. Yeah. Right. Evan's coming to her and and she had to kind of look at herself sometimes. I'm going to ask, did you ever see a chink in her armor or was she ever vulnerable with you as as a peer? I'm just I'm just curious more than anything. Well, ironically, I, I know I don't know about towards after we established a relationship where she was helping me. But when she first got there and Josie, another colleague of hers, got there early on who was uh, amazing as well. Um, I know they were appreciative and recognized they didn't know what they didn't know. And I took them out to the ranges, took them out to engage with the um, the Marines in their environment, go to see the Marines in the wild. <laughs> right, right, right. Where the wild things are. So that I think that was something that helped maybe harden some of the changes. They were not... That's one of the things that sets psychologists like that apart. They don't just expect the problems to come to their nice little controlled cave. They go out and embed with and get to know everybody in their natural environment, uh, have uh, sit downs at a coffee shop, go out to the range and see what the rigors of a day at an SOTG shooting package looks like. Um, go see what the field ops look like. How many psychologists have actually looked through a set of night vision goggles? Right. And I mean, I'm, those folks have, and that's that's something that sets them apart. And when I work with agencies and try to get them towards the idea of operational psychology, uh, very similar to sports psychology, like you know, Tiger Woods pays so much for that last one percent working on his mind. Um, that's that's what we do when we embrace the idea of the tactical athlete. Okay. Um, we're also doing a version of this, and Denise has been very helpful as we're uh, developing this with a company called Firewatch Solutions is uh, trying to bring that to the business world as well. The exact same model. Because if you tell me, or I would challenge anybody who would tell me that we did not take a PTSD type environment during COVID in the business world. Every one of us were hair on fire trying to keep our businesses afloat uh, with absolutely zero understanding of what the next day held. That Just that right. uncertainty alone creates an angst and a challenge that nobody was ready for. hundred uh, percent uh, true. hundred percent true. So we can talk about that too. The mindset and COVID and running your business, and getting through it. But I think everyone grew, everyone made it right. Everyone, for the most part, everyone made it through. Mm, I'd be surprised to see, I'd see the numbers on that, but. Uh, okay. You, okay. You, have, you see a different perspective, your mindset. Yeah, I, I know, I know my first business, uh, Heritage Arts and Solutions, I had to, I had to, shut it down and close. I had failed horribly because I couldn't keep it up through COVID. Okay. Well, most of us made it through <laughs> with uh, some chinks and some, yeah. some battle scars, right? I, I definitely did. I've got my own, I almost vented this morning on something I'm going through with my own office and, and, and support with, um, with my firm, with some challenges I'm having with my back office, but I didn't want to go there yet. I do want to go back to you though. And with Denise. So if, when when did you realize as a individual as a sailor as a human being that your mindset could benefit from a chat with someone like denise i was probably right after uh, my sister passed right about two years from when i was getting out and that was when i was i was already thinking it was gonna happen and maybe do some real gut checks with my little sister and 
realized that I had some more family um, in my hometown that needed me. Uh, I recognized that my needs were driving me uh, versus the wants and I needed to reconcile that. And I couldn't do that if I had a combat mindset. I recognized that my switch flipped way too quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it wasn't uh, necessarily a bad thing. And this is me looking backwards. I just needed to dial it in. Right. And that was, for me, it was about a year and a half to two years out um, when my planning phase was going. Um, that's just, I've always got 16 things working on the back burners and it popped up to a front burner just about that time. I know some people do it, you know, they make the decision two months out and it works for them. I'm just, for me, I had a little bit more lead time. And, and came in. That's good. I have two more questions for you. Wrap this up. This Have you enjoyed this? I think this has been Absolutely, great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. So with your own business right now, what's the one thing you're working on? Where's, where's the puck going for you right now in your own business? The majority of my time and effort is with developing BMK Ventures. Um, I've since, uh, since I started with them earlier on, right after Z Medica, uh, in a very small capacity and grown it, we now have opened up our own public safety and training division. And that's given me a lot of freedom to, uh, by leading that team to step into environments beyond law enforcement. We've got this amazing uh, motorcycle first responder awareness course that we do that's, we jokingly call what happens after motorcycle safety doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to develop that to get it out to, um, motorcycle clubs around the country and riding groups around the country to out to make it their own and develop it. Uh, we don't want to like close hold this. We want it to be something that they uh, people take and run with, and we just support the logistics and development of it. Okay. Um, that, that, gonna... one's a lot of, that one's a lot of fun because I'm, uh, I'm a, my spiritual slash uh, therapy nowadays is riding motorcycles. So being able to get back into that community is huge. Wind therapy makes my day. Um, so being able to embrace, engage in that's real huge. Uh, and then also moving beyond the first responder realm, which is where we definitely made a difference. Uh, starting to look into the corporate, everything from uh, mining, security, uh even doing some hazmat work with some folks, not that we're the ones actually touching the chemicals, but right. how can we streamline the logistics? And I think if, if there's, you know, any one thing I can uh, challenge people is redefine the term logistics from you know, most times we think of bullets, beans, and band-aids in the military. I define logistics as the manipulation of material personnel and time. And yes, you can manipulate time if you handle your personnel and material better. So when we look at logistics that way we, and create good backside support, we can, we can change whole industries. Okay. Well, this is, we could go down there too. Patrice is going to kill me if I don't wrap this up in two minutes because she has right. another, another podcast to do. So I, I, I think it'd be great to maybe see, see where this is going. Yeah. I'm going to ask you one last question. If, if you could see yourself like today, Blair, and see yourself six years ago as you're getting out, what's the one piece of advice or guidance you would give yourself six years ago, knowing what you know now? Get a good CPA and listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't F with the IRS, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, biggest thing is, I mean, all joking aside, although that's not really joking, is... No. Uh, um, don't do it for the money. Every time I've tried to chase the ego or I was doing something solely to make a buck, it, I didn't have the passion for it. I didn't engage with it. Um, if you're really looking to be successful as an entrepreneur versus having an, a job, 
because they're two separate things. You don't you don't start a business to get a job. <laughs> yeah, if you really want to be an entrepreneur, don't do it solely for the money. Have a passion. Have something you believe in. Awesome, man. So passion and avoid the IRS. Two great things. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, this has been great, dude. I appreciate you being on and sharing. And we didn't know each other. Yeah. When we're done, I have a special gift for you I'm going to send you. So definitely send me your mailing address. Are you you still shoot? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I got Thank something you, you're yeah. going to like. I got something you like. So Patrice is going to ask us a couple questions. And number one, actually, I'll, I'll beat Patrice to it. So if someone wants to find you, your target audience, is it law enforcement agencies or a company or who is just real quick, Tell us who's your your audience, who's your target market that you can help the most, and how do they contact you? Great question. Uh, yeah, law enforcement first responders is where we've started and made the biggest headway. But I would argue any human being that doesn't feel 100% ready for a bad day. Okay. And how do they reach yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Reach me through BDEL, B-D-E-L-L at BMKVentures.com. And uh Looking forward to meeting them. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Facebook. I'm all, I'm all over. I got more. You shouldn't be on Instagram. Have you seen your face, dude? You should not be on Instagram. Yeah, I know. I have a face for, <laughs> face for radio and a voice exactly. for movies. You and me both, brother. Patrice, what I miss? <laughs> I don't think you missed anything except how listeners can reach you, Brett. Sure thing. Just find us on the website, SWE. 90.com strategic wealth endeavor so just swe90.com you can book a call find me anything it's all there so this has been this has been great blair i appreciate you and i get to know each other a little bit and i look forward to a continued friendship absolutely and and, and just like when we got to get together and have a real beer and yep. talk about hair stories like mine's almost there i've 20 years of real gain that's a whole other story too <laughs> but this is great patrice thank you very much for everything thank you and uh we are going to do a part two to this right i think we should if you want to brother by all means I think so. There's a lot more to talk about. So folks, listen to the podcast, subscribe. You will know then when the latest episode is ready for you. Of course, share with friends and colleagues, especially when you know they will learn from this podcast. No ego, all in. Blair, great. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to become notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through IFP Investors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Strategic Wealth Endeavor INC are not affiliated. The views expressed are that of the host and are for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Neither IFP Investors LLC, IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, 